Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. Today's show is a pretty cool show. Um, I've known Angela probably, it's been like maybe 15, 16 years. We kind of all started out at Art, Art Institute of Atlanta. Uh, I met her way of Paul, which you guys heard in last season. So by default, you know, in that space, she's a photographer, but she's way more than just an average photographer. And I was just talking to her before the show started. And I was kind of like making a joke, like, you're not a triple threat. You're more like a quadrility trap. And what that really means is that she's a photographer. She's a mom. She's also a painter. She's also a woodworker. And she does the occasional modeling as well, too. So I don't, I don't know, like, how many levels of threats that is, but that's a lot of threats. So <laughs> <laughs> let's just jump into it. So, I mean, Angela, tell us a little people a little bit more about who you are. Well, uh, I think you you threw out a lot of uh, who I am right there, uh, which seems like a lot. And I actually started as an actress. That's probably a little known fact about me. Always wanted to act uh, growing up. And it was during my acting period that someone saw me jumping on a bed uh, at a casting and just liked that energy and said, Hey, I need another model. Do you want to try modeling? And back then, you know, when you're young, you're not afraid. So you just kind of say yes to everything. So I said, yes. And, uh, from there, that photographer ended up becoming my mentor as we were on set. He taught me a lot about he said, well, what are you thinking right now? I mean, I guess I had the blank face on. So that was not good. <laughs> so I, I started asking him questions like, what does that light meter do? And, and why do you put that reflector over there? And I really found over time that I wanted more creative say. I didn't want to be always just told what to do. I wanted to take a little bit of the control back. And so that is when I went I had already graduated from undergraduate from UGA. So then I went back uh, to Art Institute where I met so many people. It was a great uh, networking experience, learning experience, and, and got the basics of photography. So they don't, I didn't have the business of photography class. So that really, I, you know, I hear from some that that would have been helpful. But, you know, I had had how to do the basics and they just kind of throw you out there and you kind of sink or swim. Right. Mm. I don't know I mean, if you had a different experience with that part, but. Oh yeah. Completely different. I, I, I don't knock artists of Atlanta because it gave me my design principles, even though I came from a design background previously, but after graduation is when my real journey started in like business development, business strategy. So all of that came post-graduation. So right. I mean, you don't know what to, how do you actually get a client? You know, you have, you know how to design for them or to photograph for them, but you, you don't know all the basics of how do you price things? How do you make an estimate and that kind of stuff? So I, yeah, I, I thought it was a good base, but I either thought people had to do more on the business side or you kind of went to trial by fire. 
and and I had like a a trial by fire experience, but it was good. <laughs> so I think I mean you kind of gave a little bit of your origin story, right? So I mean you kind of found photography kind of through leadership, right? So like now that you have photography under your tool belt and you're talking about like your business, like what, what does your business really look like? I mean, because you have multiple different facets, but so how do, how do you work your photography side of the business? So uh, with photography, I, I came out in really enjoying photographing fashion and music. I had a passion for music. My brother is a drummer. Uh, my ex-husband was a musician and so I, I wanted to do both those things. So I started to, I didn't know how to get a job, but I looked at Music Midtown, the old Music Midtown before it came back. And I looked at who the publicist was and it was Karen West. And I emailed her and I had a little website, you know, I mean, I, if we could see that website now, it would be <laughs> a testament to how far it's come, I hope. But she actually checked out my website and gave me a shot, my first shot actually, and said, come out to Music Midtown, uh, photograph whoever you want there. And I was lucky enough to photograph uh, some, some bigger names. Uh, Snoop was probably one of the biggest names I got to photograph. And that led to uh, the AJC calling and saying, we need, we need some images from this. And Karen said, well, I have a photographer. So I was, I was able to pick a couple of bands that I had photographed that I liked the images of and submit those. And that actually led to working with those bands. Those bands reached out and said, you know, we would love to have those images and we would love to have you out to shoot something else of us. And so I worked that music angle. And in the meantime, I also uh, photographed, I contacted magazines and because I liked fashion and I wanted to shoot fashion editorials. And let me tell you, when you're young, you know, you'll do stuff for nothing. And <laughs> as you probably know, <laughs> the seasoned people hate us. Um, but I, I was able to get paid to, to photograph events for magazines. And I remember actually a professor telling me, don't get pigeonholed into events. But what I did at the events ended up happening nat naturally is that it was a great networking tool. Mm -hmm. And people would come up and they would want their picture that I had taken of them. And somehow uh, you meet people and they think, cause you can take a candid of them that you can photograph their jewelry line, or you can photograph their line of handbags. <laughs> so, uh, and it's not that I didn't have a small bit of experience in school, but I went ahead and, and took those jobs. And, and meanwhile, I was trying to assist, uh, bigger photographers and I, I ran into, a bit of a wall with that. A lot of people didn't want to hire a female. Uh, we, I mean, we have, I know it sounds crazy, but we have to carry a good bit of equipment and sandbags and, and they're, you know, I'm pretty small as you can see. And some people didn't think that I could carry what the other people could carry and actually did have one female photographer not hire me because she said women cry too easily. So <laughs> I, I said, you know what, I'm going to just start shooting, you know, 
I'm going to kind of, if, if people don't want to hire me as an assistant, and I did have a few, I had uh, Jason Ivany, who has a studio that I work out of ambient plus studio. He was nice enough. He was nice enough to hire me. Uh, he thought that I was good on set with people and his subjects. And he said, you know, sometimes you can get more out of them uh, by talking to them and he was more of an introvert so he was like you get my guys to stay longer and shoot longer so I'll have you out and I would try to prove myself and carry all the sandbags you know that the guys would carry so um but in in later years I actually hire or I guess mentor a lot of female photographers or or upcoming female photographers and and that's the reason It, it is that it's it's an industry that can be very catty and even sometimes the female photographers are afraid of, of you taking their work. So I, I feel like I could have gotten farther if, if someone had, if other older photographers had given me more of a chance to assist and to learn more quickly um, of how they had gotten where they did. And, and so I think giving back to that that next generation is pretty important. Hmm. So I, th- I think you, you alluded to something, right? I mean, obviously you dealt with like sexism in, in a sense from both male and female in that photography space and you, you overcame those hurdles and you kept pushing forward and pushing through. So what was the, like the worst experience that you've experienced as a photographer? And, and I think you remember I asked Paul the same question and Paul, <laughs> way left and so I'm just wondering as a photographer right like I mean you you probably deal with crazy things from nudity to probably random liquor so what is the worst or the most intriguing experience you've ex- experienced in photography yeah it's it's hard to it's hard to nail down one <laughs> but uh there there were certain things in my industry that I felt I had to hide for instance I have three children and I would hide each of my pregnancies as long as I could uh, because I would I actually had people say, oh, well, you have a kid, so you probably can't travel with us on the road to tour or, oh, she's pregnant, so she may not show up. Uh, and I had actually photographed in New York with a company and I was <laughs> it was one of those times where I had the worst morning sickness so we were shooting you know and then we and I would be like oh I you know I just need to use the restroom one minute and I would go and <laughs> throw up and I would come back and they wouldn't know um I actually went into labor on set and I hid that as well with the second one. Uh, Paul was there actually, and <laughs> the model was pregnant too. It was for uh, Pregnancy and Newborn magazine, and she and she she wanted to sit on the stool because you know she was like four and a half months pregnant. And she took my stool, and I said, "Paul, I need my stool back. I'm in labor. You know, you got to get that thing for me. <laughs> I have a bigger need for it." Um, but to as far as and I went off to kind of on, on the female experience of working in my industry, but as far as crazy, I mean, we, there's instances where this was obviously before the me too, uh, stuff. It started with modeling a lot of the photographers that they, that came out as, you know, 
as her as harassing models were model were photographers that were familiar to me so unfortunately i felt like a lot of the people that hired them the magazines that hired them knew uh you you kind of know what's going on and all of a sudden you know me too came along and everybody jumped on the bandwagon of like oh oh he oh no we're not going to hire him again but we've been hiring him for 20 years knowing what he's doing. So I, I was a bit disappointed uh, with our industry that it took so long. Uh, there's instances where we would be on set and and Paul would lean over to me and be like, you know, they keep asking you to party because they're they're into you like this couple wants to mm. take you with them. And I, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of got that. But I just really need to get the shot, you know? <laughs> So sometimes you have to just stay focused. Uh, there, there are times and there, there's been, you know, some celebrities that I felt like uh, didn't treat my assistants like they should. And so at the end of the shoot, when they say, oh, yeah, after the Grammys, you can come out to my studio and shoot me, you know, thank you, but no, thank you. So I, I think there's a lot of ways you can treat people and there's a lot of craziness that, that does happen in my industry. Um, but really to me, I'm always focused on, on the outcome of the photo shoot. I love to have fun on set. So if we can do that, that's great. But I've been put into every instance of the art director saying to me before we go, Hey, I'm really excited about this ducks unlimited shoot, which is for glasses and fashion. I'm a little worried for you being in there with the alligators. And I'm like, wait, alligators. <laughs> and then, and then he's like, yeah, I'm going to be in the boat, but you're going to be in the marsh with the alligators and actually have your assistant bring his gun. And I was like, okay, I don't know if I'm getting paid enough for some of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we've had, a, I've had it all. I've had a model that had no bra to bring to her shoot. So all of a sudden 34 B became became my bra that we had to so i said oh i envisioned myself shooting braless but here i am <laughs> so so it's a little bit of everything and celebrities i find can be can be great you know they can be difficult a lot of the d levels are are some of the most difficult ones mm. i find i don't sometimes know you know who i'm even shooting and they're like no i'm not gonna drink i can't drink that dasani i only drink fiji water you know i, I we have had those instances for sure <laughs> you can't play certain people's music uh because that artist doesn't doesn't like it or they have a, a risk going on it's definitely good to know uh history of of that kind of thing Got it. So. So I mean, it's a, I mean, you just listed off a lot of things that you had to overcome, right? So in in, in overcoming these hurdles, do you think it's, it's a testament to your experience level that understanding that these things may happen, or is it just a testament to who you are on a personal level? I think it's a testament to how bad I wanted to succeed, uh, how much I enjoyed doing what I did, and my drive to to get there and I, because i'm actually i'm reading i just finished this book uh 
The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. And uh, I'm in a period myself where I'm changing from, you know, photography to, to painting and woodworking. And I, I couldn't believe that someone like Shonda Rhimes, who ha- had two major shows already under her belt, had self-esteem issues. And I also, I struggle with the same thing. I don't know if uh, you remember my my message to you was like, well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was planning on bringing it up before the show was out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can I, can I bring someone else on? How about let's spotlight Paul with let's let's spotlight Kamani who who is in my industry. So sometimes taking the spotlight is is hard for me. I'm now used to being more behind the camera and enjoying directing others. So I just like a lot of creatives in my industry and people in general, I struggle uh, with self-confidence. And so when I was younger, I found a confidence in my ability to be a photographer. I knew I could make you look good. You know, I knew that. And so I would push through any kind of uh, personal self-esteem issues because because I knew I could get the job done. So now segueing into into other industries that uh so that crisis of not having the confidence that I need has has come up again. And I just, I'm really encouraged actually that, uh, that very successful women and and people in general have dealt with that even after achieving a level of Mm -hmm. success. So, and I actually, we went to a, a talk that Annie Leibovitz did and she said, she was saying that she used to be afraid to ever say no to a job and that it would go to someone else. She would lose the opportunity. She would lose her edge. And I, I, I definitely had that too. I kind of, I kind of said yes to a lot of, a lot of stuff and it did end up opening a lot of doors for me. Um, and now I, you know, through reading a lot of books, I've realized I need to learn how to say no and, and saying no is even harder and, but it will get you to the next level. Uh, it can help get you to the next level and, and you gain self-esteem. So I, yeah, <laughs> that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> but I mean, it goes to the point, right? I mean, like when I originally reached out to you, you was like, yeah, sure. And then like, literally it was like a couple of days before the show and you were just kind of like, well, <laughs> let me, let me share the spotlight. And, and to your point, like learning to say no, like if I was younger, I'd have been like, okay. And I'm like, hell no. <laughs> Like yeah. you're the spotlight, you're, you're the, and, and, and to the point to where, you know, we've been about maybe like 20 minutes into this episode and you've delivered so many nuggets. You've delivered inspiration. You've delivered woman empowerment. You've delivered like just the struggles that you've overcut overcame. What would it look like if somebody else was in this conversation right now? Like these nuggets would have been missed. So just right. understanding that, you know, I think, you know, another thing that you talked about was about, you know, uh, our hour seems to be pretty long, but you know we're already like halfway through an hour already, comfortably. Right. You know, it's like without even thinking about it. So, I definitely commend you for the, like just you know pushing through and sticking to it. Because again, I think you're delivering valuable insight for other women that are listening to this podcast to the, like they're a lot like you in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's suffering from depression or whether it's suffering from like 
identity or whatever it is, to your point, everybody that's successful has been through all these things multiple times. And right. it kind of shows the testament to you. I mean, you've been through multiple things, but you always come out on top. So well, thank you. We're, we're working on it. The, ne the next level. But and that's the thing is it's I'm learning. It's about a mindset. Like to me, you have you have the right mindset. You have that confidence or you display it. You've worked on it. And that's something that I envy and that I see that I want too, you know, and, and it, it, it is, you, you can get there and uh, there's opportunities that I realized that I passed up, uh, you know, even five years ago, feeling like I was asked to do a Ted talk and there wasn't a lot of time. And I, I know, <laughs> and I, I felt, what can I tell these people? You know, I'm not really qualified to lead other people to to success or to or to give them something meaningful and i was wrong you know looking back on it and i and it's really it's taken me a long time to to deal with that and, but and there's a question you have to ask yourself because looking at yourself is uncomfortable it's un, it's it's awkward for me to realize this about myself uh, because i try not to put that out there uh, when i'm on set I, I don't think people would ever think i'm uncomfortable or insecure and so it's it's kind of a question that i'm asking myself is how long am i willing to feel uncomfortable for to get to the next level to get to where i want to be with with painting and with woodworking. And that's something everyone, every business owner has to ask themselves because you're really, when you leave the corporate world, you're kind of just pushed out there. <laughs> and it is scary there. You don't have uh, the security that you used to have in a corporate job with, you know, health insurance and, you know, a 401k automatically there. You have to do that all for yourself. So it's, yeah, I think you brought up another good point about being uncomfortable. And I've, I've talked about this on another episode before, but it's a Jewish proverb about lobsters and a lobster has to be uncomfortable in order for it to grow out of its shell. If there's, if it's not uncomfortable, then it would never right. grow. So just growth in, in, in general and the journey that you're on, you're growing. So you're feeling uncomfortable. The second you stop feeling uncomfortable, you stop growing. Yeah, exactly. You're complacent. You level off. And I feel that I had grown to a place of comfort with photography and I had, I had a group of clients I like to work with. It was easy. You know, um, I was happy. I thought I was happy. My business wasn't growing. It was, it was just leveling off and I was feeling a little bit burnt out. And then, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> And clients that I had couldn't even afford to pay, you know, their own bills and, and, and we couldn't do photo shoots. And so that made me realize I needed to reevaluate where I was and, and yeah, am I willing to be, to be uncomfortable, to move to the next level? So I, I'm, I'm wrestling with that now, but I, I think today is the first step <laughs> in, in, in this interview, you yeah. know? 
Well, yeah. I appreciate being being part of that journey, and I, and I definitely like I said, I've been. It's kind of one of those things, and people don't realize like on social media. Social media is a good and bad platform. For me, it's a great platform because I'm always looking for people that I want to interview based upon their journeys. And for you, you're living it. So from the outside looking in, I'm seeing all this progressing and the steps, and I'm just like, I have to get her on the show because there is someone that's 18 or 20 years old that may be looking to you as inspiration, but they don't know your story. So by delivering your story and telling these hurdles, that, that's delivering so much insight to people and it, it's, it's inspiring people. It's inspiring me just hearing you tell the story. And I'm a male. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not just females who struggle with this. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think creatives, passionate people, anybody who, I, I mean, I don't know if you get it from when you're young, like where do you get that mindset of, you know, where do you build your self-esteem? I think it is. And, and for me, I want to do that uh, with my children, learn how to, to give instill that from when they're young, because I see a difference. I see a difference in people like my cousin who um, from a, you know, 24 years old leaves investment banking and starts a cannabis company. And yeah. now is one of the largest cannabis companies companies in the country his mindset was always so confident so confident that you're kind of like whoa <laughs> yep. this is too much but i i see the difference in in how he believed in himself from the beginning you know and and what he could achieve and that and that led to achieving things early on in his career and at an early age. And if you can change that or you can build that with it in yourself early on, then, I mean, there's the sky's the limit, you know, no matter what your background, your, your color of your skin, who you are. I, I, I really believe that. Yeah, so. yeah, definitely. I think you brought up another solid point. I mean, I had the opportunity to work with your cousin, so I understand that he is yeah. a boss in every aspect of the word because he knows exactly what he wants he yeah. knows exactly what the vision is and it, 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 it's a point to where if that vision doesn't come to fruition he's not hesitating on cutting the ties and moving on to the next step and that's yeah. part of understanding how to get to that next level you don't want to waste any time you would put capital into it you will build and develop and if you get the results great if you don't then you move on to the next step absolutely so, so going into this, like this, this people always, are per, the perception of success is always delivered in like instant success, 15 minutes of fame. But okay. the journey behind it is usually a 20 year process. How long did it take you to get to currently where you are right now? So I would say it's, it's been about 16 years to get to where I am now. I probably had a good amount of success photography wise or from what the outside world perceived as success within five or six years. Uh, I didn't, I didn't make six figures till probably, you know, probably seven or eight years in. Uh, and, and I, I don't know what people measure success by really, but I measure it by, I have certain goals that I've written down. I used to write down, this is, I want to work with Usher. And then I would go and figure out how to work with that, with that person. And uh, I would hit a certain level of, you know, financial stability. I've never been about money. I certainly didn't follow photo photography for the money. <laughs> mm -hmm. However, you do realize when you have kids 
especially that you have other people that you're responsible for. So, you know, there is a certain, a certain amount of financial success that, that you do need uh, to take care of other people. And so, and during that time, as you know, I uh, went through a divorce and became a single parent of three. So it, it's, it's learning, you know, to balance that and keep going after your goals in the meantime. So if you could do it all over again, is there one thing that you would want to do differently? Hmm. There's probably a lot of things. Say yes to that TED talk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I would, I, I'm in it right now where I'm back at the point where I need a, I realize I need a mentor. And I think that if I had found a strong photography mentor early on, the, the path would have been a little different, you know, maybe a little easier, not that being, you know, things, making things rocky makes you a stronger person overall. Right. Uh, but I would definitely advise for anybody doing it that they, that they get a mentor. I did work for a bank um, while I was at Art Institute. And I, that was another place where people said, don't get stuck working for the bank. Uh, but I used the bank to meet my first clients. So I built up a client network while working there. And once I had enough clients, you know, to, to make the living, I, I left the bank. So I, I would really say, you know, being financially responsible, I saw a lot of my friends in art school that struggled with being financially responsible is we, as creatives, we want to throw it all in. We're super passionate. Mm -hmm. We just want to <laughs> create all the time and the money will come is kind of what we think. But in order, in order to, to go for the long goal and not just do this temporarily, you have to balance uh, learning how, how to get clients and do the business side along with being a creative. So, so I would definitely say, yeah, grab a mentor. Uh, do not feel like a failure if you have to do a side hustle. I mean, I, I know people that, that still, that still do a side hustle and, and even reading a book recently was, was telling us like that we, a lot of people made money to make art and, and not the other way around. And they, they first, they first made money and then made art. So, you know, I'm not sure that I would go back to the corporate world now. It's, it's kind of up in the air, but if you, if you can do something that you can be stable and go and still go for your dreams, I don't think that's a bad way to go. I mean, everyone's different, right? Sure. I mean, your path may have been very different. That's a question I have for you <laughs> is, yeah, yeah is oh, how cool. yours was different. Got it. So, I mean, so we'll, 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 I'll hold that question. So just remember to ask me that when yes. we get to the end. So yeah. into, I think you, you brought up some other solid points on, on this episode so far. So I want to kind of pull back a little bit, go back in the history of, of your, of your life. 
like you're such a hustler. You have a hustler mentality, even though, you know, you don't come off as a typical hustler, but you have these different facets of business. You have this understanding of business. You have some strategy behind you as well. Do you come from an entrepreneurial background, entrepreneurial family? We talked about your cousin, but is your dad, your mom entrepreneurs as well? Uh, so actually both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs mm. and, uh, my, on my dad's side, he, he owned a hardware business in Buckhead and I probably was too young to take as much from that as I should have. Uh, but it's, de it's definitely in both sides. My grandfather on my mother's side was a medic in World War II, uh, survived uh, for years over there, um, all the way to the Battle of the Bulge. So kind of watching Band of Brothers, I'm realizing this was my grandfather. Like he started in Africa and then Italy and Germany, you know. Um, so, and then he came back and he started, he, my mom grew up in a trailer uh, and she was, teased uh growing up for for being trailer trash and my grandfather when he came back from the war he started a construction business and they they moved a lot so a trailer actually made sense for them um but he was able to build up and he built parts of uh of duke um and chapel hill uh they were in north carolina so and he died um multi multi-millionaire but he he they lived a hard life and he never lived like he like he had that um but i don't have that from my from my mom my mom died when i was young and um my dad was very much taught me how to save money and to be good with my money i can live off very little uh, but he didn't teach me how to invest in my future and build wealth. It was almost like I grew up in, we grew up, grew up um, serving others, helping others, that mentality. And it was almost like wealth was bad. And so that, that um, my perspective was different on that. So it was easy to go after my passion. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and say, well, I'm probably not going to make a lot of money. Uh, but then to realize that, that you, you have, you have to, you know, um, we all have to take care of ourselves and we, and at a certain point, um, that needs to be there. So I, I did have it around me, but not, not directly. Hmm. Hmm. So, so, so obviously I would like to say your, your pedigree, you come from, a genome that understands how to hustle, even though it wasn't direct generation, it was a generation back. So yeah. going into that, right, what is your, your, like, how do you juggle your work life with your family life? Considering that you've seen that growing up, obviously mm -hmm. your dad was teaching you how to save. Like, what, what do you do with your family that allows you to kind of have the balance between all the things that you're doing and family time? Ooh, I th think, is something I probably you say you you struggle probably with this the same thing uh, as a lot of single parents struggle and just all parents were working people struggle with how to balance and when I was young I thought I can have it all I can be the wife I can be 
you know, the mom, I can have the successful career, I can build my own business. But the truth of that is that something always has to give. And, and so I think we spend a lot of the rest of our lives finding that, finding that, trying to find that balance, you know, of, of how you put in enough time to your children and your family life and the things that really matter to you and still do something that, that you enjoy and that puts food on the table. So I I'm still working on it. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I've had, I've had times where I had to take time off to just uh, be with the kids. Um, I came out of a very uh, volatile marriage. Um, So, you know, rebuilding myself uh, and, and them was, is kind of a, a process, right? I don't, I don't have the answers to all of it, but I will tell you multitasking can be key. <laughs> and I mean, I do things, I do little things like I'm in the car going, so I have multiple changes of clothes in my car. Uh, I don't need them as much uh, during this time, but uh, I'll have my gym clothes in case I can fit in uh, you know, a small workout. I have nail polish in my car so that I can put on a pair of heels and paint that one toe that sticks out and then go right into the vent for Vogue. <laughs> so, nice. I, yeah. That, that was I don't an know. inside secret right there. That was inside behind uh, the scenes. That's scene. probably more than people wanted to know, but I'm an excellent car changer. You may see me next to you in my bra <laughs> changing to go to the next thing. <laughs> that's funny. So, so yeah. with, obviously you have three kids and juggling that, right? Going into like the next question, like what is your morning routine, your morning habits? What does that look like? Ooh, morning habits. Uh, well, I used to be one of those people who got up way earlier than my kids uh, to get in a bit of work. And I, I as since I've hit 40, I'm a little more tired than, than I to be I used to be able to work late night you know and get up early morning and get some work and before getting them up for school so now I you know I get up about 20 minutes before I I get them up and it it depends actually I live with my boyfriend now and he has two kids so we actually have five kids in the house and uh, we have some on Zoom and we have some at school, depending on the day or, or the quarantine. So we try to get I try to get them started first. I uh, like one of your other interviewees. Uh, I have to have coffee. <laughs> I never, I never had to have coffee until I became a single parent. And um <laughs> Now, now I feel I, I need it. And I listen to lately, I've been listening to audible to some books, uh, on the way back from dropping them at school. I drink my coffee in the car and I, or I listen to NPR. Uh, I listen to some other AM radio stations to kind of, uh, keep abreast of what's going on in the world. And <laughs> And then I, and then every moment I can, I'm pretty much fitting in 
uh, work. It, depending on the day, if there's no kids in the house, then I'm able to paint. I've started woodworking and uh, I've I kind of have a makeshift. I work on the back deck. I get some clamps out there and I just, nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm self-taught as far as we're woodworking. It is something that, again, my grandfather uh, made furniture, but not before, he didn't teach me before he passed away. So uh, if, I can, if I can fit in a bit of woodworking, a bit of painting, uh, and then work on on photography and getting back to clients and and that I'm trying to do that. I have uh, decided to try to put the phone away a lot when my kids are around. It's hard because running your own business, you feel right. You feel like you always have to you have to be there and like on right away to any client, it might be, you know, clients, I especially work with celebrities, they want stuff at like 11, you know, 11 p.m. on a Saturday. Oh, I, I need a copy of these pictures, you know, like they're going to use them right then. <laughs> yeah. and, and in the past, I had a really hard time saying, I'll get them to you in the morning. I would literally go home and you know, from whatever I was doing out with dinner with friends and get on my computer and get them to them. Or now I have Dropbox, which I do, I will say I love. And I can, you know, deliver, re-deliver images right through Dropbox to them. So I definitely make that more mobile, but but I do I do want to, you know, focus on the kids when the kids are around. And it's hard because, you know, some people are on their phone and the kids are on their phones just mm -hmm to socialize but usually it's for us it's actually work you know so it's hard to say like mommy is working no i swear I'm working I'm not texting my buddy you know yeah. <laughs> so so it, it every day is different for me especially in in segueing between mm. uh going back and forth between photography and, and painting and woodworking but you know, fitting in as much work as I can uh, while they're at school and then, you know, working on homework things with them afterwards. So I definitely have a better balance now of being with them. You know, at the beginning of your career, you work like seven days a week. You know, you work on the weekends, you work every moment you can. And, and I'm definitely facing that now. Like, do I can I go back and do that again for, for another profession? Or how does that look now that the kids are older and, you know, they need me more. And, you know, my 16 year old, he's a bit more self-sufficient, which is nice. Uh, so, so yeah, I don't know. What does your day look like? Oh, I'm not allowed to ask that yet. Right. End of show. <laughs> like, she's like, she's taking all these mental notes, asking you all these questions. I am so, I'm writing it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely should. So, I mean, I think one of the things that, that you brought up was um, like the books. And I think you, you alluded to a book earlier. You brought up books again. Mm -hmm. And it kind of, now that you understand why I asked that question, it's like literally nine out of 10 people always fall into that trap of, I'm reading a book. So because of that, I decided to create a book club. So right. again, I mean, like what, what recommendations you have, what books are you currently reading and what books helped you get to where you are currently? Yeah, I, I have a few that I've really enjoyed recently. And uh, one of them is, is real artists don't starve. And I, cause I actually have said the starving artist quote before, which 
now I wish I could take back <laughs> after, after reading this book. And I think it's, this one is good. Uh, it, it talks about everyone from Dr. Dre to Michelangelo. And it actually, it affirms some things for me as far as like, or even you and your career is like, okay, Michelangelo went from sculpting Mm -hmm. to painting, mm -hmm. to being an architect, to being a foreman and about every time, I mean, it's really, you know, a definition of Renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. But he's a Renaissance man, but every, about every 10 years, he actually changed what he did and then spent those years mastering that. Similarly with Dr. Dre um, and kind of like you re referenced my cousin, I see that he also had that ability to know when to start something up and when to walk away and move on to the next and the next project that he wanted to do. And so he had his, he has his hands and, and so many things. And as a creative, we can have a mind to do, Oh, I, I want to try this. And I like this and, and the ability to do many things, but to learn how to focus that energy you know, to a business is really, really what we need to do. So I, I, I really enjoy that, that book, uh, as well as uh, how to overcome under earning. And that is, that is the one that kind of went to your mindset as far as it really makes you dig deep. You have to journal. You literally feel like you're in counseling, <laughs> but you do realize some things about your uh, and how to get to to the next step of your career. So I would definitely recommend those two, along with The Year of Yes by Chanda Rhimes. I mean, who, who doesn't like her, really? Um, but Pretty much. <laughs> I know. She, she is inspirational and relatable and, and real. And I really, I appreciate that. It's almost sometimes if you're on social media, you wish you could just post like, my life is total crap right now and <laughs> you know it looks great from the outside but these are really the struggles uh that that are going on I almost feel like that would be more relatable and encouraging to others than just the glossy side because mm -hmm. I really don't know anybody who only has a glossy side mm -hmm. you know um, that didn't overcome some adversity, whether in their past or, or currently, uh, to, you know, to get to where they are. So. I mean, that's part of the reason why I created this podcast, because it gives the opportunity to see the pros and the cons. And to your point, I mean, as we're talking, you're going to have 50 questions for me. And those are questions that are going to expose my weaknesses and my strengths as well. So this podcast in general is doing that. It's yeah, I post about it all the time on Facebook. But if you really listen to the episodes, you can hear someone's journey, you can hear that this happened to them, they failed here, they overcame it, they failed again. And they and it's this that's life. That's really the so to your point, social media is kind of it's bullshit to a certain extent. But it's always right. every positive is a negative behind the scenes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I think knowing that it is important, you know, just to remind yourself that it, it isn't always that way for even the most successful people, you know, the Sarah Blakely's of the world and the Dr. Dre's, you know, it, it wasn't always like that for them. Yeah. Um, it wasn't. It yeah. Wasn't. There is a, a, I see 
And a lot of people that get there though, there's motivation and there's fire. Like they have a fire inside, right? Definitely. (laughs) So. So so what do you see yourself in 20 years from now? Oh my goodness. I'm traveling the world and I, I really am looking for a sense of purpose as far as, as leaving a mark on the world, like in a good way, you know, whether that, that be to, to one, to make a difference in a few people's lives or, or in a lot of people's lives. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I think I mentioned it in my email, but I love to to collaborate, you know, with with charities. And uh, one of my favorite ones is is by someone in my family. It's called uh, Refuge Coffee House, and it's in Clarkston, Georgia. And they it is the most diverse square mile in the country. And they hire refugees. They train them. Uh, they give them English lessons if they need that. They pair them with a mentor for what they want to do next in life. And for me, I've had a few opportunities to work with uh, with different groups that I felt have have helped people. Um, I was on. I worked with the sex trafficking mm-hmm. uh, group. And I met some amazing people there. I did mentor someone probably one of the hardest times in my life um, when that person committed suicide. And um, so I, I hope that in later in life, I can still, I can still photograph, I can still paint and woodwork, uh, but, but make a meaningful difference in the other people's lives. And I want to show my kids how to do that, right? Because it isn't all about me, 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 me all the time. Uh, it's about others. And uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that's, I hope that's what I'm doing, you know, a traveling a bit more, like I said, but, <laughs> but really finding a place of where I can work, work with others. Yeah. I think it's really cool that, that you're, you're working with the Clarkson community. I don't know if you realize, but I graduated from Clarkson high school. So that, that was, I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that. So you definitely know, no, yeah. I mean, from a personal experience, that area, yep. it's, ama- it's an amazing area. Um, my aunt and uncle lived down there and um, it, it's, it's really growing and booming, but it's, it really shows you, you know, where someone can come from. And it kind of reminds me that we're a bunch of babies here in the U S um, Literally. <laughs> yeah. So, hmm. so having that, just as a reminder is, is great, but yeah, so that's kind of where I see myself. We don't know if I'll pick up any other things. Uh, I did write when I was young. So maybe, maybe back to writing. I mean, publication is a hell of a thing. Cause I mean, to my point, I never liked reading. I never were into writing and then now I have seven published books. So it's just kind of like, right. Yeah. I was at one of your openings, which for the book, which was, which was an amazing experience. That's crazy that you came from not even enjoying it to, to writing a book. I mean, I feel like you might have more to say than me. (laughs) No, I think everybody equally is born with the same principles and the same, it just comes down to when the day I would say it's kind of like being in the matrix. And once you wake up and you realize everyone is like, he's starting to believe everyone is Neo in their own right. And once you believe it, 
Right. Like, there's no no turning back. Right. So I mean, just talking about tools a little bit, like what what software and tools? I mean, obviously we know you use Photoshop because you're a photographer, but what software mm -hmm. or tools do you use that you wouldn't be able to do what you do without? I to the point of multitasking, I have really been able to to use uh, apps on my phone. And one that I find really helpful is a one called Tiny Invoice. And just kind of for all business owners, I I get asked, you know, when I'm on go to to send an estimate and whatnot, mm -hmm. or even to send an uh, invoice. When someone says you get paid right now, you definitely go ahead and send the invoice. <laughs> Very quick. So I. Yeah, I have loved I've loved having that uh, as a tool to use. Yeah, I mean, I use all, all the the creative suite, obviously. Um, I let me think as far as bookkeeping, you know, knowing Excel or using as always something that works for you that's easy to use. I do not mind numbers to having worked at the bank, but I know a lot of creatives don't have, don't really want to focus on that. So anything like that, that can, you know, kind of throw the numbers for in for you and be easy to use is definitely key. And also of course, learning Instagram and all that stuff, right. <laughs> in the digital yeah. age. Yeah. So promoting the business, um, or, Oh, I do have, as far as just really quick, you asked about um, how to balance, how do you balance everything? And there's a photographer I really like, Lauren Kuhnfeld, and she's done a few documentaries, but one that I saw um, at South by Southwest was her documentary, Generation Wealth. And it, it re-goes to the inside of how she has tried to balance being a photographer, a documentary filmmaker, and being a mom. Uh, to the point she, she interviewed her children and mm. um, her 16-year-old, and she, I mean, she's she's been highly successful. Uh, and she struggled with guilt about making that balance. And she asked her son, like, you know, uh, you know, what can I do differently as, as a parent? How could I change things to juggle my career, my drive and being there for you. And he says, well, the damage is already done. Mm. And so that was really eye opening for me. Uh, even afterwards, she took questions and her 11 year old son came up and was like pulling, pulling on her arm, pulling on her arm. She had brought him to the opening and she is like in a minute, in a minute. And so I think a lot of us that were are really driven to succeed or really passionate, we do really struggle uh, with how to be there for them, you know, and how to achieve uh, a level of satisfaction or happiness for ourselves. So I would I would suggest uh, anybody that is struggling with that maybe check out her documentary on that. It's it's very eye opening. That's, that's interesting. Um, I, yeah, definitely definitely want to check that out. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think that just rolls into like words of wisdom. So let's just say I'm a 20 year old and I'm a highly creative person and I'm trying to figure out like my next moves. What words of wisdom would you give to me to inspire me to move forward? Mm -hmm. uh, 
let's be moldable, uh, teachable, go, go in looking for some as a mentor that you admire and that you are willing to work for, like you're willing to bring something to their set. And in exchange, they bring a lot, you know, to you. So I would definitely say uh, suck up as much knowledge as you as you can. And that young 20 year old brain, you got you got <laughs> it's a great it's a great time to learn and, and to just to gain knowledge. I, I would say definitely number one thing is is find mentor and maybe not even just one mentor, but but multiple mentors and always, I always had the attitude and this came actually from, from my dad is you never know who you're going to meet. Uh, I used to be embarrassed by, we would travel to New York and my dad would talk to everyone in the plane. He would talk to everybody in the line. And I was like, Oh my goodness, as a teenager, this is humiliating. And you know, we were, we were like going to the stock exchange and someone yells out Tim Murray, Tim Murray, you know, I mean, everywhere we go, someone knows my dad. Mm. And what I learned from that as an adult actually was that I found clients, not on purpose, but on a plane, in a line, mm. you know, in the elevator, you know, what do you do? Or, you know, ask something about their child. I, I find asking, asking things about other people. Cause I actually, you know, you are generally interested in other people and learning how other people are. Um, it is, is a great tool to your next, you never know, like, you, you know, who that person is, that's going to hire you or that's going to refer you, you know, to the next job. I don't know if you feel like that as well, but I think, you know, school, art school is a great place. And then, and then the first places you go after, after that, um, building that network up, because when times are tough, you can go back to that network and say, what do you got? <laughs> you know, I totally agree with you. Cause I mean, I would not have this podcast if I didn't have the Rolodex that I currently have. So it just, it right. gives me opportunity to kind of look at it and be like, I worked here, I worked with this person or yeah. this person mentored me, or I was at this workshop, I was at this seminar, this webinar. And collectively, as you keep doing these things at every single webinar, seminar, workshop, networking meeting, at least I walk away with one person's information. So if you times that one per month times 20 years, right. it adds up pretty quickly. Right. And I think too, when you, when you meet people like that, when you have that ability to get out of your comfort zone, maybe you are a natural extrovert, you learn about them. In my industry for photography, I learn about how to make my subjects comfortable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just by networking, talking to people, you're gathering all this knowledge up for, for how you are going to do your business, yep. how you're going to be better. So is this the part where I get to ask you a question uh, <laughs> or five? <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, this, this doesn't have to be scripted. So we'll, I'll, I'll get back to my last questions later. Go ahead. Ask your question. Shoot. What you got? Oh, <laughs> well, I think we said, said earlier, what does your day look like as a parent? Because I always see, I'm so impressed by all the experiences that, that you've created as a dad. Um, I mean, you, you were on a farm, you know, and, and I really think you're doing a great 
a great job with that. So I'm curious of, of how you're balancing and how you're doing multiple creative industries and being a parent, what that looks so, like today. Believe it or not, and this may sound kind of crazy, but I look at being a parent much same way I look at business. And everything to me needs to be systems. And obviously it's organic in nature. I don't want to force it, but I want it to be systematic. So to your point, like when we go and do stuff, it's not necessarily planned. I'm just kind of like, sometimes I'll just wake up and be like, let's go and let's find something. So I'll go on Facebook and, you know, before COVID I would, you know, Facebook events was my best friend because literally my, the algorithm got to the point to where I had enough information that I could just pick something random. Like I think one time we had the opportunity to go to like a bubble festival and it was just like foam bubble in a field somewhere. It was just random, <laughs> but because I went on Facebook, it was there. So we went and did it right. The farm you're talking about, um, we went on different farms at different times. But it was just kind of like, yeah. oh, let's, look, let's look at Airbnb and see what's available. Oh, it's a trailer on a farm. Okay. Sounds like a win. Let's drive four hours and go to the yeah. farm. But because of the way my business is set up, it allows me to do a lot of remote things. So as long as I have Wi-Fi or a cell phone, then we can do that. In addition to that, I've had an opportunity pretty much raising my son since he was a young age that he was in golf. Now, he's a teenager. is completely different. But when he was younger, if I was at a meeting, he was at a meeting. If I was at a conference, he was at a conference. If I was in a webinar, he was at a webinar. So it's to the point now to where I don't think he 100% despises it, but I catch him <laughs> at a certain time of the day watching Shark Tank or he's right. a diehard gamer, but Shark Tank is something that he watches on a regular basis. And I could kind of hear him, oh, they're not going to give him the money. So he understands the principles, but now right. he's at that, that adolescence age where he's kind of like, he just wants to be with his friends and be in his game world. But I'm hoping that when he hits 18, 19, 20, it's like that circle comes back around. Yes. And now I could be like, dude, I want to interview you, you on my show. I want right. to hear the business ventures that you have going on and how, how are you succeeding? And I could ask him the question, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? And his answer should be, hell yes. I yes. Came from entrepreneurial. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. And you planted those seeds from when he was young, which I think is going to be a huge advantage. Um, you know, <laughs> one day he it is going to come full circle and he's going to get all of those experiences and use them in, in how he becomes a man, which is yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. I'm, it's just like this, the adolescent age is kind of like the weird age. It's kind of like, you know, I, I was predetermined to understand this age group. So I was like, okay, between 14 to 17, 18 is going to be interesting. Rough. <laughs> but once he turns 20 and he's coming out of it, it's like, that's the return. And it's like, you know, like kind of like the father and son unite and take over the world together. That's my hopes and dreams and aspirations. But again, I don't want to influence him in that direction. I want him to kind of make his decisions on those roads. Absolutely. That, I think that's a great dream. Does he know it or is it a secret? Um, I, I think this is this podcast. Yeah, I think I've had the question before of like, you know, why am I creating this content and why I'm, and I always say that, you know, life is parallel to existence, but perpendicular to time. And the only way an individual could live forever is you have to create a legacy. So that's when I was like, okay, I need to create content. So 20 years, 50 years from now, my grandkids will be able to look back at these moments and right. everything I'm talking about is evergreen. So that's the journey that I'm on right now, delivering this package of information for the generations to come that's your way of making a mark yeah yeah i love it that's great yeah. what are the questions you got i mean you was writing down a lot i know i well what was the thing i was asking oh how was your start 
different from mine as far as you started out. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious about that. Like how you came from, how, how you My came journey? Yes, your journey. How you're so, so it was kind of like the design is, I guess, genetically ingrained in me because I started off in New York as just kind of doing graffiti drawing and notebooks and just like tagging up. So when I came to Atlanta, I will say I got kidnapped by my parents and I graduated from high school and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And my parents threw me in art school and I was like, okay, this makes logical sense. I draw all the time. And then once I got into art school, I was like, oh, it's Photoshop. I could cut off people's heads and do that. I was like, that's cool. So I didn't really think about the monetary side right away. I was just kind of like completely engulfed in the art, completely engulfed in the technology. And then shortly thereafter, I was like, there's got to be more. So I became like a forever learner and didn't realize it at that point in time. So I graduated with my first degree, which is graphic design. And then I was like, multimedia, web design, what's this? Then I got a degree in that. And then I graduated and then I came back and worked at the school when I was kind of looking for, that's when I think I was working at the, um, what do we call it, the wormhole? And Yeah, yeah. you met and, everyone. <laughs> so you kind of meet people like yeah. people that don't understand the wormhole was kind of like a print bureau in our school and we did print jobs and we help people with their, their technologies throughout the school and then from there i went into the the video and photography department and that's kind of how i got hooked up with paul and, and kind of came into you guys circle and i fell in love with photography i fell in love with videography and then i graduated around september 11 and i was just kind of like what the hell is the world coming to how do I monetize anything I learned? I was completely green. So I, I used my first degree and I went into graphic design. And, and in that, it was okay, but I was like, there's got to be more. So then I jumped into multiple different things to your point. And then I realized that, oh, that's what the problem was. I'm half analytical and I'm half creative. Yeah. So once <laughs> I woke up, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So once you realize that, and once I was like, okay, so now I need to understand the money. So I, I, I went into, I became an insurance agent. I got my series six, got into the market, got into stocks, got into growth strategy, marketing, development. And then I put the two together. And then it was kind of like the dawn of the Boston cage. Cause now I'm both sides into one unit. So that's how my, my, my journey went. It was like people influenced me to be creative and I am very creative, but I'm also equally analytical. Right. Which is a great way to be, honestly. At first I thought, oh, I, I am too financially minded to be as good creatively as I can be. But then I saw a lot of people who had so much talent creatively fail. You know, they, they couldn't make the business work. They couldn't, you know, communicate with their clients yep. or their subjects. They couldn't get, get what they needed out of them. So, I mean, that's, it's, it's a great, it's a great thing to be both actually. <laughs> So. Once you realize it, once you come to terms with it, and it's it's about being personally acceptance of who you are, and not trying to fight that. Like if I had said, okay, I just want to be creative, and I and I ignored my analytical side, I don't think I would have been where I've been. I'd have been a struggling artist trying to be a hundred percent creative and not realizing that my real value is bringing both to the table. Together, yeah, and ultimately being unhappy if you, even though people are like, oh, he's creating, he's creating. Mm -hmm. You know, but you, you weren't making it financially, you know, you weren't, you weren't totally fulfilled or happy, not yeah. bringing it to the table. So yeah. Yeah. awesome. <laughs> did I facilitate all your questions? I think, I think you did, you know, for today. All right. <laughs> so for this is, hour podcast. Got it. So this is going back into like, um, how can people get in contact with you? I think you also pretty much have a, like an offer that you want to put out there for, for our listeners as well. Yes, I do. I 
I wanted to, I wanted to do, if you're interested in headshots that are mainly, uh, I do headshots for 350 and I want to give $75 off to that. Uh, you can use the headshot however you like. It's, uh, it's two different looks. You'll get all usable images through your Dropbox. And if you, well, you'll get two edited images to use. Uh, I don't care if you throw your dog in there, your kids, your family, <laughs> however you want to use that. It can be your, for your LinkedIn, um, for work, for acting. So I'm, you know, I, I love meeting people. And if it's your first time getting in front of the camera, even better. I'd love to work. So, so like, well, how can they get in contact? Do you have a website? Or? I do. Um, it's, it, well, I thought I made it really easy for people. It's angelaphotography.com. What I found out over the years is people struggle to spell photography. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, but now your phone autocorrects. So you guys should be able to find me. And it, it just Angela at angelaphotography.com. If you want to shoot me an email, I have phone number 404-314-4789. So check it out. And I have Instagram, Angela M. Photo and Angela Murray Art, if you're interested in looking at the art side of things. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Definitely. So I definitely, you know, commend anybody that, that gets the opportunity to check out her stuff and, and, and facilitate that deal that she put on the table. It's a great offer. Um, in addition to that, let's just go into the bonus round, right? Cool. Oh. Yeah, bonus question, right? So if you could spend 24 hours in a day with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? You guys are probably going to laugh at me, mm -hmm. but I would, I would love to be it with Nancy Reagan, Ronald Reagan's nice. <laughs> wife. I mean, I'm a child of the eighties. I grew up uh, with Ronald Reagan and, you know, I, whatever politics you you fall inside of i enjoyed seeing their relationship as uh she was she was his number one supporter she was her own person and she championed her own causes mm -hmm. um but they were a team and i think whether you have a team that's your partner uh the love of your life your business partner uh, you, your assistant that you hire, I feel like we can do more in our, in our work in life as, as a team with somebody else. So I'm interested in, in how she found, you know, that for her life and still was able to, to do her, to do her own thing as well. So I, I do, I do love their, their love story. It's inspiring, especially after, you know, you've had, <laughs> you've had a bit of trauma love wise, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um, to have hope, but also to, she balanced, you know, kids and, and being, you know, the first lady and all of that, um, taking care of him in later years. So, so yeah, I, I kind of admire her as a person. Some people didn't see her as strong because she's she was you know stood by him uh but i i saw her as very strong because she chose to be there um so and she chose chose to help make him him a great individual and a, and a great you know a president 
Uh, he was a diplomat. Whether you agreed with his politics or not, um, he he talked to people. He you know he inspired people. He inspired the country. And I mean, we have had a few presidents like that, and I'm I'm hoping for for more of that and as we move forward. But yeah, yeah, I kind of, I kind of looked up to her as a as a woman when I was young. So I'd Got love it. to. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's, that's a great answer. And I mean, it's an insightful answer and kind of giving people, you know, to kind of really think about it. I mean, yeah, Reagan was the era that a lot of people from the 80s grew up with and, and understanding his journey and the fact that he was an actor that became the president. And like, that's yeah. that's a that's a, not a novel feat in itself. So it's definitely respectable. He definitely um, had the mindset that I'm after <laughs> that we need to that we need to grow yeah. for ourselves. Yeah, you know, the So. So going into the, like the last question, um, what's your most significant achievement to date? And again, I've asked parents this and I, al I always get the kids. So outside of the kids, what is your most significant achievement to date? Uh, you know, it, it may seem small to some people, but I, I am, I'm proud of the way that I've grown personally and, uh, been able to, to have my own business doing something I love. It may seem small to some, but to me and to a lot of people, if you really ask somebody, I mean, they want to do what they love. I, I hear from people all the time that you're lucky to do something you're passionate about. I mean, I am lucky. It, it's very hard. <laughs> it's a mixed bag. But I, I feel that that I've been able to support myself and my kids it is somewhat of a comp an accomplishment. And when I started out, there wasn't, you know, as many female photographers in our industry. And so I think that, you know, overcoming some of those those obstacles and trials and not letting them beat you down, uh, the stuff in life and the stuff in your career is is what i'm probably most proud of yeah i think to, to add on top of that i think that you've had a hell of a journey right you've overcome so much that your modesty shines right i think you're you're, you're overly <laughs> modest but in what you just said i think there's people that are scared to step out there's people that are thinking about it there's people that i'm going to do it but you've done it and just in the process of you doing it, you've made that accomplishment and you've made it a reality for other people to understand that they can do it too. So I definitely commend you for that. And I wanted to also say, look, I remember when you f first sent me that message, an hour, well, we're at like an hour and 15 minutes right oh, now. Gosh. <laughs> so I want you, so you were so scared of that one hour, but you've blown past it beautifully, right? Without even thinking about it twice. And you've delivered so much inspiration and so much insight. So I, I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for pushing me to to take the spotlight and and to say yes i really appreciate that and it's something that that is taught me and i think will teach others that struggle with doing those things that they're most uncomfortable with about stepping out yeah yeah right well that, that's the end of the show man sa grant over and out Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, 
review and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.